0: Welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners, from real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking. Together, we're lending forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, nmlsconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23452. Welcome to Lending Forward, Dr. Lee. We are so, so excited for this episode, for our people to get to know you. So warmest of welcomes.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Taylor. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You. This is on the cusp of a a speaker series you joined us on, which was awesome, by the way. Our folks loved it.
1: Thank you. Loved
0: it. For those listeners who might not know much about you, though, let's do a couple of little get to know you questions. So, who is Dr. Lee? Take us through your journey. Where did you get started? What are you doing today? Tell us all
1: the things. Absolutely. I'm going to try to keep it brief, but feel free to cut me off, Taylor, because I can ramble. (laughs) (laughs) so sort of long story short somewhat short I grew up in a real estate family not of real estate agents but of investors so literally I lived with mom and pop investors because they were my mom and pop unfortunately I'm an only child And I say, unfortunately, because anybody out there, and whenever I do like conferences and talk to people, they're like, girl, I feel your pain. So when you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs, you end up being the work crew. So I didn't have siblings to pass work off to, which meant I ended up hating real estate as a kid. I always look back at that, like, I was kind of traumatized because I wanted to play and I'm a girly girl. I wear dresses and all of that stuff. But yet if tenants trashed a place, I was on the cleanup crew. I remember getting soap scum out of bathrooms. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Why? 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 So being a little traumatized from at that point, once I graduated from the University of Michigan go blue with my undergrad, I drove. I-75 is a straight shot from Michigan to Georgia to Atlanta. So I got on the freeway, never looking back. Love my family. I stay in touch. I see them, but never wanting to go back to the North and the cold and all of that. So I get here to Georgia and my friends and family in Georgia, my mom's older sister has lived here since the seventies, but I get here and everybody's like, the market's great because this was 20 years ago. It was before the Great Recession and everybody's like, the market's great. You know what to do. Why don't you start investing in real estate? I did. And I, it was like, ding, 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 ding. No wonder my parents had shout labor because this is great. And when I got to, as an adult, see the money, I was like, oh, this is okay. It's better. It's good. I like it. So it all actually came in handy. So I always say that. So again, a lot of us in this industry, we do involve our children and people are like, okay, good. So they'll probably learn. They'll come back to this. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I know for me it was, even though again, it was traumatic during. Anyway, let's fast forward. So I, I'm a real estate investor. This is before the Great Recession. The Great Recession is so, Starting, it's October around 2020 or, or 2007. And my young and dumb, that's what I call myself, nobody else, my young and dumb self said, I'm going to go all in on real estate. This is the perfect time to get my real estate license, to really just do all aspects of real estate. It was not, as we all may know at this point. But I don't know, I guess that threw me into the water really fast. So I, And focus now only on sales at the point when the market is collapsing. And what that meant was I couldn't, I couldn't really make any of the traditional ways to grow your business work for me. So I got on what was a little unknown thing at the time called Facebook, and I was able to grow my business. I still remember back then in the initial days that I got on there were people telling me, consulting with me, like, what are you getting on that for? That's only for teenagers. That's that's not going to be anything. So I'm glad I followed my gut okay. and then listened to the gurus. So what happened, my business took off so much so that I had to grow a team and my brokers, I was at Remax at that point, they were like, come in, do training. So that was the start 2009 of me doing real estate trainings. Fast forward a little more, I eventually became managing broker of three different Remax offices. I went back to school to get my doctorate because I, at that point as managing broker, started training, consulting, and I started to notice things among those that I was training. And quite simply, which is the main thing that I got my doctorate in and what I still train on today, is that... So often we are told this is how you grow your business and it's not based on people's personality. It's not based on who they are. So people aren't always able to play to their strengths. That happened to me. I was told to door knock at a time when the market was crashing and that wasn't right. So all that to say now, I coach and train on how to play to your strengths, to grow your sales business. And then to your point in our our off camera conversation the other day, the fair housing piece came in because as I was training on how to profit with your personality, specifically using social media, since that's where I got my start, I started to see that although we had fair housing laws and restful laws, when people got on social media, it was like the wild west. People, I mean, all the rules kind of went out the door and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think I need to start focusing on RESPA laws, fair housing law, the legal side of what our business is and how that applies in our marketing, how that applies in our lead generation. So I began that probably in 2015, 2016, that that shift. And here we are today. This has really become, fair housing has become probably the crux of what I like to train on, because I've realized, again, even though we as an industry, we are familiar with the laws, I recognize we don't always know how to actually put them into practice. What does that really look like when we're marketing, when we're meeting with clients and so forth? So again, I ramble, so I'm going to (laughs) stop. You
0: are good. This is a great, and it was a quick high level overview of it every season that you've been through. I mean, truthfully, you've been through a heck of a lot. Let's, I would like to dissect it and we can start with the investor side in you. So you started with that. Are you still kind of doing that a little bit? Is that—is that still a passion that's within you? And if so, what does that look like? Yes, yes.
1: So my parents are still investors, even though my mom has always done it kind of kicking and screaming. It's been my dad's baby. It's, he's the entrepreneur but they absolutely still are. I am as well. So, you know, I still Metro, I'm in Metro Atlanta and Metro Atlanta has been, even with the great recession, probably still an area that has been a magnet for so many people. So I don't, in short investing is easy here i guess that's really so i never try to make it sound like i'm so fancy with it because it's kind of easy here so i don't i don't want to make it sound like i'm doing anything that's uh really like cutting edge i'm not it's really easy
0: yeah some of our listeners here might be interested in perhaps that is next step for them that investing into properties and such so let's say that there are people out there that really want to make that next step what would you tell them
1: Yeah. So I would absolutely say, and this is the lesson that even though it's been a mantra for a long time, again, because I started personally investing, despite growing up in an investor family, I ignored this mantra. And so there were several, I'll say several. So when I got started, again, we were coming off of this boom of, use other people's money, no money down. Right. So just trying to do a lot of creative things, not that creative financing and all of that is bad per se, but, but you don't want to be over leveraged. That was the biggest thing that I learned is that, and that's any investment, right. We should never have all of our bag or eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's all about diversification in your portfolio. So for me, that meant I actually made a pretty big mistake. Having, I had apartment buildings in the same part of Metro Atlanta. And if I had followed my parents' advice because they knew what they were talking about, I would have had multiple places in multiple areas. So I wouldn't have been so concentrated because if if something does happen to the market, which now I understand it can, mm-hmm. if you're concentrated in just one area, it's a likelihood that you may not be able to survive with a downturn. So, just some of those type of things. I've got again, I've got, I can ramble. <laughs> I <know. laughs> so, write me uh, in, bring me in. The end.
0: <laughs> you are good. This was great. And so, moving in from the investor side into real estate and right before the recession, you know, you were forced, as you said, into kind of coming up with some unique forward thinking at the time, ways to get yourself out there. What is it that you're kind of seeing now for agents and folks in the lending industry? You know, what are you seeing is working?
1: Yeah. So of course, social media at this point has become just a part of our culture, right? And I have always been what I learned from 2008, nine was I personally believe in myself as well as anybody I'm coaching. Hey, we need to be where the eyeballs are. So I am an early adopter. I am not that person that's going to be like, oh, I'm dragging my feet. Oh, something new. Why do we have to learn it? No. I'm all for it. So get on TikTok, get in the metaverse. I'm all for where are eyeballs going? What I learned was because I was one of the early adopters from a business standpoint. So I got on way before Facebook had business pages or any regulation mm-hmm. for my business. So for those of us that were on then before there was this pay to play mantra, it was a gold mine. Like again, you know, I'm able to build a team from it. And then I've noticed that's the same pattern. So when Instagram was new, when TikTok was new, there were not, and that's how most of these platforms are, they're not structured around that pay-to-play model. They're just, hey, we're trying to figure it out. We want to grow. So have at it. Now, of course, the caveat is, please don't forget about fair housing laws and restful laws. Like, it's not the Wild West from that state. Like, we, you know, it's not anything goes. But I like to be, and I, again, encourage agents that use social media because that's not the only place. And I am not, again, one of those people that will force someone to do something outside of their comfort or strengths, right? So everyone's not comfortable with social media or the metaverse or anything like that, which is all right. You don't have to be there. If you prefer to be the person shaking hands, even though we're coming out of a pandemic, So it was- kind
0: of not easy elbow (laughs) daps. Right. 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 Right.
1: Right. 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 But I'm not against that. So for those that are interested in using social media, I'm like, you've got to just stay forward thinking. That's my biggest advice. I love it. Absolutely.
0: Yes. (laughs) Keep yourself on your toes. What is it? They say that, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, that means you're growing. So that's always a good thing. Just a little nugget. So I want to shift into the conversation about fair housing and your passion behind it. For folks who want to know a little bit more from the educational piece of fair housing, could you define for us what it is, a little bit of a history behind it, and what's next for, for forward thinking? You know, we got to kind of think about what's next.
1: Absolutely. So for me, I always like to almost memorialize the fact that federal, So national fair housing laws were not enacted until Dr. King was assassinated. I think that is a big pivotal point that we shouldn't forget because the point of that is it was hard fought. It wasn't just a, oh yeah, we're all for fair housing. It's been a struggle. It's been a fight. It still is. It's not automatic. That's one of the things that I've realized, even as I'm teaching more about it, fair housing, what's fair for the community at large is not, again, automatic or even intuitive, Mm -hmm. right? So starting with the fact that it was a long fought battle, we get some preliminary aspects of fair housing. And over the last 50 years, it's evolved to include not only race, but race, religion, those age 55 and older, familial status. So it's You can't be like, okay, you you got too many kids. We don't want you here, right? There's so many different aspects to fair housing now. And what I love about our industry as a whole is that in the 50 plus years, even now, we're constantly adding protected categories based off of people saying, hey, I didn't feel welcomed. I wasn't allowed to buy or sell or rent simply because of this feature that I really can't change. It's hard to change depending on what it is. So I love that. I love our evolution as an industry. Doesn't mean we don't have work to do because we do, but I do appreciate how we've evolved.
0: I love that. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. And that's what we're going to do within the next few months is unpack it nugget by nugget. And we can really retain this information when it comes to what we should be seeing more of, less of in the industry when it comes to fair housing and just the education piece. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So showing somebody how to get there and kind of a roadmap and you know, I can see your passion and your eyes light up when you talk about it. So I can tell it's definitely something that you truly love and embrace. And I can't wait to hear more from you about that. That's just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So what are some of the best practices you would say when you're teaching when it comes to educating the next generation on home ownership?
1: Ooh, yes. So home ownership, let me rewind. I was at a conference where it was really about social media and just some of the things that are on the cusp for those that want to market their business using, you know, whatever's new. Anyway, at this conference, I I try not to eavesdrop. I'm not that person. I really am not, but I couldn't help but overhear this conversation of some Gen Zers sitting nearby and they were saying, What's the point of owning a home? You know, you got to make this large down payment. You then are uh, subject to what if you miss a payment? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to lose everything. And the interesting thing to me, which almost parallels to some of the issues we have even in fair housing, is that some of these myths keep getting passed down. I'm like, why? How? You're too young is what I'm thinking in my head. You're too young to have some of these myths about housing. I'm like, that's not true. Right. Homeownership, and of course, I am biased. I always have this I'm biased. I love homeownership. I believe everyone should do it. I believe it's one of the easiest ways to build generational wealth. So I am biased. I am always going to encourage people to buy a home. And I do have people, even outside of our trainings and in our industry, just you know, family and friends. And when they move places, they're like, Do you think I should buy? And I say, I have to tell them I am biased because I am never going to say not. I'm I'm never going to say that because I personally believe it's a great investment. Now, here's the key, though. One of the oldest things that we have talked about in real estate, and I believe this has never changed, is that in home ownership or as an investor, you never, you never want to be the person that owns the most expensive home in that area. You just don't. So it's always about beauty contests and a price war. It's, that's what it's always been. So again, you want to try to get the best deal, which means, yes, that may take longer, especially depending on where you are in the U.S. right mm-hmm. now that buying a home in certain areas, not everywhere, but some places, oh my, you have to be prepared for it not to be the quickest process just because there's competition, Right. But you don't want I, I like deals. I, even in shopping, for clothes, whatever, i I don't know, even if it's just a dollar off, I'm like,, I' won. I've won. <laughs> so I again, it's got to be this you don't want to pay the most for the prettiest house. You just don't because again, that means as there are market fluctuations, sure those are the people that we find have that buyer's remorse, right? They end up saying, hey, this was a nightmare, and now I'm going to run away from real estate forever. But if we're looking for opportunities to get good deals in neighborhoods that, unfortunately, this comes into the fair housing topic, I'm not even going to, I don't even want to open that can. That's a whole different can. But there's a lot of considerations. But the main thing is being willing to, not just buy a home because I want to live there, but it also economically makes sense. Again, you're not paying for the most expensive home on the block.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be, what is the term? House poor. You know, you definitely don't want to be house poor, car poor, none of that. I know. Right. And yeah, I mean, right now it is an interesting time for all of us. I think we're all kind of trying to navigate through different waters, try to figure out what you're up against, whether that's like you said, hey, I think I'm ready to take the next step in investment properties. Well, you're still going to have to deal with the kind of market that we're in. So definitely great, great conversation. And we thank you so much for your time today. This isn't, we'll open up that can you were talking about in another podcast. (laughs) We've locked you in for a few. So very, very excited about it. But if you had to lend forward one thing to listeners who might have never thought that they would have the means or the education to own a home, what would you say?
1: I would say home ownership really is for everyone. and despite. Whatever we may think is a limitation, I would encourage each and every person to own it. And I said that purposefully as a pun, because it's like own that or embody that attitude that, you know, the sky is not the limit for me, but then literally go out and own it, (laughs) get property. But I would say even with my own family, personally, the ups and downs from the recession of the '80s. My dad, although he was a real estate investor, he was also a computer engineer at IBM. They had a massive layoff in the 90s, particularly where he was. So what I've seen with real estate is whether or not this is your primary occupation or secondary or hobby, you know, we, it is still something that becomes the great equalizer. It becomes something that, again, can not only help you build generational wealth, But it can even in the moment, so not just long-term wealth, but in the moment, it can provide so many financial opportunities that you wouldn't have access to. So own it. Own it. You can do it. Own it.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Lee. We are so, so appreciative of your time and more to come from Dr. Lee. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.